So a quick update on me. Uh, bear with me. There's going to be some technical jargon here, uh, but it'll make sense. Um, I interview with the Board of Ordained Ministry, West Ohio Conference Board of Ordained Ministry, at the end of this month, January 31st, so that I can hopefully be ordained if I pass that interview. Um, so right now, I'm a provisional elder. Um, many of you are probably maybe familiar with that may, that language. Many of you not be. Many of you may not be, but you, we can think of that as a certain level of certification as a provisional elder within the United Methodist Church, a certain level of certification. And ordination is kind of the top level of certification as a pastor in the United Methodist Church. Pastor Becky is an ordained elder, and that's what, I, that's what I'm interviewing to be. That's what I'm going for. And I've had this goal for about 10 years now. It's weird to realize that. Um, I've been kind of on this journey for about 10 years now. Um, I had to finish college, and then I had to go to seminary, and there were some other steps along the way, et cetera, et cetera. But um, throughout the 10 years of my process, there have been so many interviews with so many different groups of people all wanting to hear my story and hear where I am. Should we make him a certified candidate? Should we continue him as a licensed local pastor? Should we commission him as a provisional elder? Should we do this other level of certification, etc., etc., etc.? All of these interviews with all these different groups of people from the local church to the district committee on ministry to the conference board of ordained ministry with all of these, all of these, uh, 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 all, just all of these different groups. And it's just been kind of a lot to get here. I still have another one at the end of the month. Hopefully I pass that one. But anyway, I, I've been thinking of all those interviews as I prepped for this yesterday. And the teams, whatever the team is, whatever level of certification I was going for, whatever the context was, they would always ask me something about strengths and weaknesses. But they wouldn't ever use the words strengths or weaknesses. We know the churchy language that we have to kind of couch those in, right? Your gifts and your graces and the areas of growth or areas of needed development, all those, you know, those different words. And they, I found myself, I was always able to name my weaknesses or my areas of needed growth, whatever. I was always able to name those really easily. Those just kind of rattled off. I'm not great with administration. Um, I'm not good at managing conflict. I don't have much natural empathy, etc., etc. I'm good at those. But it's always harder for me to name my strengths and my gifts. And maybe you've experienced this too, because whatever we're interviewing for, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a scholarship, but all different interviewing teams, whatever it's for, they always usually ask that same kind of question, couched in different, nice-sounding language, but strengths and weaknesses, what are they? And maybe your experience is like mine. You're good at naming your weaknesses. You know where you're not good. But maybe it's harder for you to name your strengths over here. Or maybe you can see strengths and see gifts and see graces in other people, but it's harder for you to look at yourself and see those as well. Now, I think our friend Paul here is, is speaking into that experience in the reading before us today. I hear verse 7 as key in this passage. We're understanding it this morning. Paul wrote a, a, a demonstration, or maybe a better word is a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. So I hear Paul speaking to us about our own gifts, our own strengths. This is what Paul's bringing up in this passage, right? We heard that language. 
Even if it's hard for us to think of how we are gifted, if it's hard for us to see how we ourselves are strong, all humans are starting from the very same place. We are all and each gifted by the same Holy Spirit. All varieties of gifts, they all look different from each other, but they're all equally valued and equally important in the body of Christ. Now, that's a good message that we can land on, but our friend Paul's language here is pretty confusing, as it often is. Uh, but the, the, this reading normally gets kind of lumped together with, uh, with some other passages about specific spiritual gifts, and they've kind of been lumped together and codified and organized in different ways as, as we talk about different kinds of spiritual gifts that everyone has. Maybe we know this language. Maybe we've taken spiritual gifts classes or inventories in our past. But it's hard to get too specific about these spiritual gifts because we have this list of gifts in our, kind of this list of gifts in our, in our passage here in our reading today. But we'll have another list of spiritual gifts in what I think is our reading for next week. And then Paul gives us a couple other lists in a couple of his other letters of spiritual gifts. And, and each one has different gifts and different arrangements of them all over the place. So it's hard to get specific. So we can't get too focused on specifics when we're thinking of strength, when we're thinking of gifts here, because none of these lists are exhaustive. When Paul writes these down and gets specific about these gifts, at least it seems like he gets specific here, his intention is not to be exhaustive. The bottom line for Paul, as I understand it today, and the bottom line for us today is we all have a variety of gifts. Paul's just naming kind of a smattering of them. Maybe you have this, maybe you have this, maybe you have this, etc., etc. We all have a variety of gifts, each one of us. And they're all meant for the building up of community. We all have a variety of gifts, and they're all meant for the building up of community. Now keep that in mind, because I'm going to take a sharp right turn here, but we're going to come back around and make it make sense. Um, I got really into Miles Davis in high school. Do any of us know who Miles Davis is? Y'all are really good. I'm proud of you. Yeah, so he was a, he was a uh, jazz trumpet player in the, I started around the late 40s through his death in 91. And uh, I just, for some reason, I don't really know what the impetus was. I don't really know what the first song I've heard, I heard of his, but for some reason I just got really into him and really into his music. And it was, it was later in high school when I started this, and I, I was getting really serious about music and playing trumpet. I was starting to think about uh, majoring in music there. And I found this, this guy, this presence, who made this consistently great and trailblazing music and just a fascinating person. So I really started kind of learning more and more about him. It was also just kind of an identity thing, kind of those things that we do in high school, right, where I could say... Look how deep and profound and interesting I am listening to this. It's so much better than the rest of the music you plebes are listening to. So look how very interesting I am listening to this. But he has a fascinating story. Uh, he came on the scene growing up in East St. Louis as the swing era was kind of coming to a close. New things were bubbling up in the music world. He moved to New York City to start at Juilliard. He eventually dropped out, but he started at Juilliard there and connected with the developing jazz scene there in the late 40s. 
And he found himself around bebop players like Dizzy Gillespie and Charlie Parker and a few other, and, and other musicians like that. And he started finding gigs and playing the same kind of music and developing his own sound and his own style, surrounded by these geniuses. And all of these players had their own unique, different stuff, their own unique style and sound and unique music that they were playing. Charlie Parker, who's a saxophonist, who would just play blistering fast. I mean, it'd be just cascades of notes over and over and over again, keep going, just blistering fast. Dizzy Gillespie, uh, maybe we've heard of him. He's, he's kind of more well-known when he plays. His cheeks balloon out to here, if you've seen him. But uh, Dizzy Gillespie, at least back in the day, he would uh, play just stupid high and stay all the way up there and, and above, all the way above the staff there. And there were, there were others who would just solo for so long and just never get tired. They would just keep going and going and going, making up more music and more music as the rhythm section would just keep keep just getting bored as they're just keep on going and keep on going. So Miles was around all of this and he kept hearing it like every night and he said that he wanted to play like all these other musicians he was hearing. But he, you know, he couldn't play as fast as Parker. He couldn't play as high as Dizzy. He just didn't go on as long as these other soloists because he just, he just kind of stopped because I'm, I'm done here. Someone else can play. So one of his mentors said, said something like, you just don't hear music like that. You personally, you just don't hear music like that. Um, that's not your sound. That's just not you. You're not super fast, not super high, not super long. And that's okay because that's their sound. That's their gifts. You have your own sound. You have your own gifts. You have your own music. That's what you play and create. And that's what Miles did, and he kind of stayed on the cutting edge of jazz music for, for most of his career. So to bring it back around, like what I said, like I said, we all have a variety of gifts, each one of us. And none of them are better than any of the other ones. None of us are better than any other person because we have better gifts or anything. We all have a variety of gifts, each of them equally important, equally valid, equally valued as a part of the body of Christ. Each of them playing an important role if we live into our unique gifts, what we have, what we've been given. We all have a variety of gifts, all of them equally important, and they're all meant for building up a community. It's similar, just to continue the music analogy, it's, it's similar to playing or singing in any music ensemble, like any of the ones we have here at King Avenue or any other ensemble you were a part of in the past or you're a part of now. When I started college as a trumpet major, um, I, was, I was used to sitting first chair in high school band like every other trumpet major that was at ONU, like every other trumpet major ever. And, um, but I got to ONU and I auditioned for the wind orchestra and I, I made it and I got to the first rehearsal and I found out I was placed all the way at the end of the section, the very last year. They had the audacity to place me down there. And I was really, I was really disappointed at first um, because you usually think of the, if, if you've ever been in band or orchestra or anything, you know what I'm talking about. You usually think of the parts at the end of the section as the less important parts. 
right? You never say that, but that's how you think of it, right? Because in band, especially young ensembles, that's where you put the younger, less experienced players um, because if they mess up, it's going to be less obvious than if the first chair cracks a note. So put them down there, and that just translates as that's less important, that's less necessary, I don't want to be there, I want to move all the way up to the front of this section, So I was upset about that. But then we started to rehearse and I realized how wrong I was. We started to get really into our music, much more serious music than I'd played. And I realized how wrong I was. Everyone in wind orchestra was very, very gifted on their instrument, playing whichever part they'd been been given after after their audition. So we all brought our individual giftedness on our instruments to whichever part we had, realizing every single part was important for the whole sound as we developed, as we grew in an, as an ensemble that year. If one part was weak, the whole band was weak. Um, if a couple players were sick or for some reason had to be out, had to miss that rehearsal, there was just kind of this, would be just kind of this gaping hole in the sound. You wouldn't think the fourth French horn was that important, but then they were gone and there's a whole thing missing in the core that doesn't sound right. We had our variety of instruments, the tubas, oboes, timpani, English horn, etc., etc., and we brought our own individual giftedness on our own instrument, as we were working to develop our own skills on our own time in the practice room. And then we brought them together into one sound as we each played our part to its full potential. And we created something beautiful together as we did that, whichever part we had. All the varieties of gifts brought together into one piece of music, creating something brand new together, something that would not be there had we not brought ourselves and our instruments and our own individual giftedness together to contribute to the whole. So like we've been saying, we are all gifted. There is a huge variety of gifts. I would say an innumerable amount of gifts. And each one of them is equally important. And all of them are meant for the building up of community. As we live fully into our unique giftedness. Whatever that is for each one of us. And that's important. It's all meant for building up the community. Not just individual advancement. When I graduated college, I still played trumpet, um, but I, it was a bit. It was a couple years before I found another community ensemble or some, something else to play with. I, had a, I found a couple gigs here or there, but it was mostly just me practicing on my own because I enjoyed doing it. But after a while, it became, I mean, what am I doing? Why, why am I working on my own skills and getting better myself if I'm not actually playing anywhere or with anyone? Because these gifts are not just for individual advancement, but for the bettering and the building of a community. Now, community can mean many things. Certainly, we as King Avenue United Methodist Church, this is a, an important community that each of, your, each of our individual gifts contribute to the whole to make ourselves better as this expression of the body of Christ on the corner of Neil and King. 
But also, we have our families. We have our neighborhoods, our apartment complexes, our living communities. Uh, We have our city. We have community organizations, schools, anything like that. We have each been given gifts, varieties of gifts, and each one is equally important, and each one is meant for the building up of community. So our calling here is to discover and develop our own gifts, spiritual and otherwise, so that we can contribute to the whole. Now, otherwise, that word otherwise is important here because the language of of spiritual gifts to churchy ears usually draws up the the ideas of these pious-sounding gifts um, or, or the ones that we as good Protestants, those gifts that we normally think of as kind of weird, um, speaking in tongues, prophesying. We don't really know what to do with those, so we just kind of ignore those. But the language of spiritual gifts draws up those ideas, and normally um, we limit ourselves to those when we talk of gifts in the church. But I think we're talking about all kinds of gifts, those classified as spiritual and otherwise. So a naturally analytical mind, natural empathy, Big curiosity, music and other talents, other seemingly normal gifts are just as important as the ones we call spiritual gifts. And they were all given to us by the grace of God to be used for the building up of the community. So we're called to discover and to develop those gifts because living into our varieties of gifts within community is how each one of us lives the free and the full life that we were created to live as beloved children of God. And actually, we have a great opportunity for that coming up that honestly just happens to fit really well with our readings for this Sunday and next Sunday. Pastor Becky, like I said at the beginning, the Strength Finder workshop, um, Pastor Becky is a certified coach and trainer in Strength Finder, that system uh, that identifies your top five areas of strength and the top five areas that you're just naturally gifted at and gives you pathways to develop those strengths. And we're going to have a one-day workshop on January 22nd where Pastor Becky is going to guide us through discovering and honing in on our strengths. And these aren't explicitly spiritual. The Strengths Finder, they just gives you, it just gives you your top five areas of strength, the top five areas where you're just naturally good at these things in those top five areas. And you can, um, you can still sign up on Realm for it. I really encourage us to be a part of it. If you haven't done it already, if it sounds something you're interested in, you can still sign up on Realm for it. Today might be the last day for it, so make sure you get on that. But then following that, we're going to have a class on spiritual gifts to follow up on the seminar and help us discover the intersection between our strengths and our spiritual gifts And how we can use our strengths and gifts in all their variety to build up our community and live the free and the full life we were created to live. So whether it's through the Strength Finder workshop or the spiritual gifts class or however we do it, this is the calling that I think is laid before us today. Discover and develop our own gifts spiritual and otherwise, so that we can truly be more fully ourselves as God created us to be, uniquely gifted to be who we are, so that we can be more fully ourselves 
and so that we can contribute our own sound to the symphony that is King Avenue or any of the other communities that we're a part of. May we be about that work. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for all the gifts that you have given to us. We give you thanks for all the ways you have, all the unique ways that you have blessed each one of us, gifted each one of us. We pray for eyes to see and a mind that understands and a heart that discerns what those gifts are. And we pray for the opportunity to develop those gifts that you've given us that we may be more truly ourselves, that we may contribute to our life together as an expression of the body of Christ. God, you've given each one of us gifts. We give you thanks for that. And we pray that we're able to discover that together. In your name we pray. We all say together, amen. Amen.